Hi, this is Mark Raven. Welcome to episode 242 of Lean Blog Audio. This is a post published on December 5th, 2017 with the headline, Did Toyota's Mindset Really Leave the Now Tesla Building? Now, today I'm writing about and talking about some published reports about the alleged state of quality at the Tesla plant in Fremont, California. If you don't know the history of the Tesla factory building, here it is in a nutshell. First, the building was the General Motors Fremont plant from 1961 to 1982, where quality, productivity, and other measures were terrible. It was a poster child for the bad culture and poor results of a GM plant that was managed in the typical GM way. John Shook, until just recently the CEO of the Lean Enterprise Institute, called the Fremont plant a dysfunctional disaster before the turnaround, something that he was a part of as a Toyota employee. At the time, GM's then CEO, Roger Smith, was chasing the dream of a lights out factory model that relied heavily on automation. They ended up wasting $90 billion on this failed vision company wide, as I wrote about back in 2006. And you can find a link to that blog post, everything I'm referencing here, by going uh, to leanblog.org slash audio 242. So secondly, after GM closed the Fremont plant, um, it became the NUMI joint venture between Toyota and GM from 1984 to 2010. So that, that joint venture basically meant Toyota ran it in a Toyota production system or lean management style. So very quickly, the same plant with workers who were selectively hired from the old Fremont plant and with the same UAW quickly became very successful with a completely new management team and a new different leadership style. A 1989 New York Times article described the NUMI plant as having extraordinarily high productivity and extraordinarily low levels of defects and absenteeism, even though it wasn't paradise as the article um, suggests. You can um, check out additional posts and podcasts of mine about the NUMI story, uh, including a uh, This American Life um, story that I commented about, um, about the end of the line at NUMI, um, why those lessons didn't translate, transfer to the rest of GM. Um, last year, I blogged about the original NUMI team member handbook from 1984. And last year, I also shared a two-part conversation with one of the original NUMI employees who came uh, on loan from General Motors, Steve Barra. That's really a fascinating story um, just about going from GM to NUMI and, and what happened there. But during the financial crisis and their bankruptcy, GM pulled out of the NUMI joint venture, which among other factors led to the closure of the plant. So the second closure um, a couple decades after the first. After the closure, Tesla bought the plant and some equipment for what was described as a bargain price of $42 million. So it became the Tesla factory. Tesla's website calls it, quote, one of the most advanced, one of the world's most advanced automotive plants. And I guess that depends on what advanced means. Um, we'll, we'll come back to that point later. Some people who know the Numi story well assume that Tesla has continued down that path of TPS lean and quality. I'm, I'm not sure that that's been the case. So let's talk about Tesla and Toyota. Um, you might call this a partial partnership. Now, at the time they bought the factory, 
Um, Tesla had a partnership with Toyota, but that quote unquote fizzled and ended per a Bloomberg article from 2014 titled Why the Tesla Toyota Partnership Short Circuited. The partnership completely ended earlier this year. Some of the recent news reports, um, and again, more on this in a bit, make me wonder if Tesla tried hard enough to learn uh, automotive manufacturing practices from Toyota during their partnership. Now, their VP of manufacturing, who started in 2010, uh, Gilbert, I think it's pronounced Passin, um, or Gilbert, or Passin, uh, I'll say Passin, um, had significant experience with Toyota, including time spent running their plant, the Toyota plant in Cambridge, Ontario. And, and Tesla really trumpeted this background in their release, press release about his hiring. But I wonder how the Tesla culture developed over time with the leadership changes that took place. Uh, Passin was mentioned in a 2013 article I linked to in a blog post. His LinkedIn page says that he's still in that role, but his bio is gone from the company website. And it seems that he was replaced sometime after late 2013. Through some Google searches, I, I can't find evidence of Pessine moving on to another role, but uh, it's clear there have been other VPs of manufacturing. Um, so I, I think it's fair to say he was replaced. Founder and CEO Elon Musk's goal with a, a group of 2011 executive hires was that by, quote, blending the top minds from technology, automotive and manufacturing, Tesla is building the car company for the future. The VP of supply chain hire at that time came from a semiconductor background, which is, of course, very different than a high volume automotive supply chain. In 2016, Tesla hired an executive from Audi, uh, the automaker, of course, to run manufacturing, replacing a previous executive, Greg Reichow, who had also had semiconductor experience instead of coming from the automotive world. Reichow is VP of production and John Ensign the VP of manufacturing, who came from Honeywell, both left in 2016. It's interesting. They had separate VPs of production and manufacturing. Uh, but there's an article I linked to here from um, uh, website electric.co um, that has quotes from Raikow after he left the company. That article is uh, an in-depth look at the somewhat secret second floor of the factory that produces battery packs and other components that Toyota never had to worry about. The headline of that article says, um, Tesla's former VP of production talks secret second factory floor and vertical integration. Now, it seems to me that the combination of Tesla technology and Toyota manufacturing know-how could have been very powerful. But did things get off track with non-automotive leaders running manufacturing or were there other factors? Or are things really fine? So let's talk phase three, Tesla. In recent months, there have been reports from blogs, including one called uh, Daily Kanban, about problems and delays with the Tesla Model 3 ramp up. One headline says, uh, source Tesla responsible for Model 3, quote unquote, production hell. The slow delayed Model 3 ramp up has been covered a lot in the mainstream media, including here, a headline that says Tesla Model 3 production delays start to take toll on company. There have been reports of quality problems with the initial Model 3s that were sent to reviewers and investors, as discussed uh, here uh, in an article with a headline that reads, Bernstein analyst finds Tesla Model 3s fit and finish relatively poor after test drive. It's probably not a fair comparison, but being behind schedule 
and having quality problems sounds more like the old GM than Toyota or Numi. A Bernstein analyst wrote in a note to clients in November, quote, while we doubt it would impact or even be noticed by most prospective buyers, we do worry that poor overall initial quality could undermine Tesla's brand and potentially overwhelm its service network. So what were those problems? The analysts found a misalignment in the Model 3's glass roof, body panel gaps, rubber trim issues around windows, and misaligned seams in the interior ceiling of the car, according to his note. Our inspection revealed widespread shortcomings in fit and finish. Tesla representatives acknowledged some of the fit issues, but stated they believed that Model 3 was much further ahead than where Model X and S had been at this point in production. So Tesla's defense basically um, is that the early Model X and Model S cars were worse. That's an interesting stance to take. Um, but, but again, the analyst said, we can't help noting that Tesla likely chose to share with us its highest quality, best assembled units. So issues on other cars may be even more pronounced. So that's a good point. Um, but Tesla didn't try saying, um, you should have seen the cars we did not send for the test drive evaluation. So it raises the question, a Model S and X not a model of production excellence? It's one thing to have problems with pre-production or early production vehicles, as could be occurring with the Model 3. But a recent report from Reuters talks about problems with the car that Tesla has been producing the longest, the Model S. The headline is shocking and uh, somewhat damning. It says, build fast, fix later. Speed hurts quality at Tesla, some workers say. Now, some of the, the, the stories, some of the stories are from former Tesla employees who were recently laid off. Well, actually, Tesla claims the employees were fired as a result of annual performance reviews. Now, some claim they were fired for being in favor of the UAW coming back into the plant to represent the Tesla workforce. The union has been trying to get back into that building for a while, so I might generally take reports with a grain of salt, given the feelings and agendas of those who might want to paint Tesla in a negative light. I'd expect to see negative articles about Toyota, Nissan, Honda, Volkswagen, and others during uh, a, a UAW um, unionization push. But Reuters probably isn't going to go to press with uncorroborated stories or what you might call fake news. From their article, it says, after Tesla's Model S sedans and Model X SUVs roll off the company's Fremont, California assembly line, the electric vehicles usually make another stop for repairs, nine current and former employees have told Reuters. The luxury cars regularly require fixes before they can leave the factory, according to the workers. Quality checks have routinely revealed defects in more than 90% of Model S and Model X vehicles inspected after assembly, these individuals said, citing figures from Tesla's internal tracking system as recently as October. Reuters points out that what they call the world's most efficient automakers, such as Toyota, have end-of-line defect rates of just 10%, again, compared to 90% reported for Tesla. Now, I've been in Toyota plants and I've seen their brightly lit final inspection areas. I mean, yes, they have them. Yes, a lean thinker would say inspection is waste and they'd be right. Even though Toyota aims to build in quality from the start, as you can read about on their Toyota production system webpage, 
they don't yet have a perfect process or perfect quality. So therefore, having final inspection and doing it well is better than not doing final inspection. Because a defect getting out to the customer is a far worse form of waste than doing final inspection is in, in the short term. Now, Tesla claims their inspection process is, quote, unusually rigorous, designed to flag and correct the tiniest imperfections. I'm sure that's the same at the Toyota and Lexus plants, too. But let's assume that Tesla's final inspection is as good as Toyota's, meaning they don't miss any defects. I, I don't know if that's really even true at Toyota, but either Tesla is indeed much pickier, which I doubt, or their built-in quality from suppliers and the assembly line is much worse. The Reuters story has competing narratives where it says, at Tesla, quote, so much goes into rework after the car is done, that's where their money is being spent, a former Tesla supervisor said. The Silicon Valley automaker said the majority of its post-assembly defects are minor and resolved in a matter of minutes. So if the built-in quality is indeed bad, Tesla says the defects are minor and fixed quickly, okay? Except for the ones that aren't fixed quickly. And again, there are competing stories via Reuters. Trickier cases head to one of Tesla's outdoor parking lots to await repair. The backlog in one of those two lots, dubbed the yard, has exceeded 2,000 vehicles at times, workers told Reuters. Tesla denied to Reuters that such repair lots exist. Uh, this all reminds me of a story that Jim Womack, founder of the Lean Enterprise Institute, used to tell about cars coming off the end of the Cadillac assembly line and then going to one of two places, minor repair or major repair. Now, as Jim recalled to me back in 2007, some of the details of his story could be fuzzy or, or not 100% accurate, but he claims he concluded that headcount in rework must be nearly equal to headcount on the line. Womack also said the Cadillac plant manager claimed that their inspection process was pickier than Chevrolet's. Well, that sounds familiar. That's, that's what Tesla um, seems to be saying today. Former workers at Tesla um, claimed, but Reuters could not independently confirm, problems such as defects including doors not closing, material trim, missing parts, all kinds of stuff, loose objects, water leaks, you name it, said an, an, a former supervisor. We've been bought, building a Model S since 2012. How do we still have water leaks? So do those allegations, if true, sound like concerns that would have come from a hypothetical NUMI 2 plant, if you will, that combined Tesla and Toyota know-how. Would a different NUMI-style partnership have helped Toyota here? So let's talk about the right cars built correctly. Tesla customers are probably still characterized as innovators or early adopters in the technology adoption curve. So they're likely to be forgiving of assembly quality problems that they might not tolerate in a Lexus, Cadillac, or BMW. Analysts say that's likely to change with the lower priced Model 3, where Tesla aims to move into the mass market. Will those customers be as forgiving of fit and finish issues? Now, some customers are going to be net-net happy with an exciting, attractive, fast, green car that has some minor assembly defects. A successful automaker that needs to bring the right product to market and build it properly. I mean, some Toyota critics 
and I've said this, um, say they don't create exciting cars, something that their current CEO, Akio Toyota, is trying to address. One analyst said from Morningstar, David Wiston, we've never doubted Tesla's ability to make exciting products with top specifications, but there's a difference between unveiling something and then actually making it perfectly in large volume. Tesla has not perfected the latter yet. Now, Tesla having an exciting car they struggle to build without basic fit and finish issues makes me think of a hospital that's quote unquote world class and does cutting edge surgery, but also has basic problems around cleanliness and infection control practices. So we talk about best and most advanced. What do those labels mean in the context of Tesla? Elon Musk seems to have a Roger Smith-esque bias towards automation and robotics. Now, if Roger Smith was wrong about that in the 1980s, maybe he was just ahead of his time and, and Musk will get it right this time. As it says uh, in an article, Tesla chief executive Elon Musk has vowed the company would become the best manufacturer on earth, helped by a new highly automated assembly line and a simpler design for the Model 3. Well, a simpler design that's easier to build with fewer labor hours, that's something Toyota, the Detroit automakers, um, everybody has worked for uh, worked toward over time. In the automotive world, the most highly automated plants haven't necessarily been the best manufacturers. It's been said that Toyota plants tend to be slightly less automated than the Detroit automakers, since Detroit tried getting as many people out of the process as possible because of labor battles and their management mindsets, while Toyota tends to automate jobs only when safety is an issue or when quality could be improved. If Elon Musk wants to be the best manufacturer and not just have the fastest, most exciting cars, can he combine the smart use of automation with the management system of Toyota that engages people's brains in continuous improvement? I explored this in a, a post from earlier this year that I've linked to. Again, you can go to leanblog.org slash audio 242. Tesla brags about its inspection process and its high standards. You know, remember, GM and Cadillac used to do the same. They said, our goal is to produce perfect cars for every customer, Tesla said in a statement. Therefore, we review every vehicle for even the smallest refinement. Most customers would never notice the work that is done post-production, but we care about even a fraction of a millimeter body gap difference or a slight paint gloss texture. We then feed these improvements back to production in a pursuit of perfection. And you know, look, they, you know, they talk a good game here about continuous improvement. They use the same pursuit of perfection language you would hear in a Lexus ad or a lean presentation. That said, if Tesla is fixing things that customers would never notice or care about, is that an example of the waste of overprocessing, if you will? A Tesla defender might say, hey, you know, well, I'm criticizing Tesla for poor quality and criticizing them for fixing things. Well, that's not inconsistent if they are fixing things that don't matter to the customer. Remember, value and quality is defined by the customer. You know, when I worked at GM 20 years ago, engineering would brag about, quote unquote, aerospace tolerances on Cadillac engine parts. But was that really producing a better engine or did that just sound good from an engineering and marketing perspective? Quantity or quality? When I worked at GM and Dell, one troubling common theme was that management quite often emphasized the goal of making the numbers, meaning we needed to hit production quotas as the primary goal. 
Now, sure, quality was perhaps considered nice to have, but I've got so many stories about management making bad decisions that prioritized quantity over quality, including uh, this one blog post of mine from 2014 uh, about um, one of my GM stories. Now, working at Dell in the late 90s, I remember times when the only end of quarter metrics that had incentives for factory workers were quantity related. Nobody got rewarded for quality metrics. So the implied message was clear. Ship it. Get it out the door. We can fix quality problems later. As they used to say at GM, that's what warranties are for. Now, one thing that's special about the Toyota production system in Lean is that it's uh, supposed to seriously put quality first. Any worker is allowed, if not expected, to stop the line if there's a defect, pulling an and-on cord or pushing a button. And many of us in healthcare have advocated for this mindset of putting safety first and being able to stop the line, including the patient safety alert system at Virginia Mason Medical Center. But the accusation at Tesla is that pressure to make the numbers leads to cutting corners or looking the other way on quality, it says in the Reuters article. Employees who worked on Model S and Model X described pressure to keep the assembly line moving even when problems emerged. Some told of batches of cars being sent through with parts missing, windshields in one case, bumpers in another, because there were none on hand. The understanding, they said, was that these and other flaws would be fixed later. Quality inspectors would sometimes find more defects than those reported by workers in the internal tracking system when a car came off the line. We'd see two issues, that's pretty good, but then we'd dig in and there would be like 15 or 20, one person said. One persistently tricky area was alignment where body parts had to be quote unquote muscled in the words of the senior manager to a certain degree of flushness. Not every team follows the same rule book, workers said, resulting in gaps of different size. So, so I'm sorry, that sounds like uh, GM, and again, the GM of uh, a couple of decades ago, not Toyota. Tesla again denies these stories. Tesla claims that problems are found and caught. But this news story uh, talks about something I'd call a quality problem. The headline reads, Tesla shipped cars without seats and dig digital displays. I remember a story from the late 90s or early 2000s where Ford had a seat supplier go on strike. This was during the boom time of SUVs, so any lost production was very costly to Ford, losing a sale of their most profitable vehicles. Instead of stopping the line, I remember stories about Ford building parking lots full of SUVs without seats. It was in, an intentional choice, not a mistake. They figured it was cheaper and better to put the seats in later, even though it was outside of the planned regular production process. I'm not sure I'd be comfortable with a car built outside of the validated production process, but uh, I'm, I'm an engineer. But back to Tesla, as the Financial Times reported, the company shipped cars from the factory that lacked key parts, including everything from digital displays to seats. These parts were flown to Tesla-owned dealers who then assembled them into the vehicle before completing the shipments to customers, according to several people familiar with the practice. This goes back years, says a former regional executive who declined to be named. It was common, common in every market. The seats, the displays were being flown in. Now, Tesla doesn't deny this claim, but they give some spin that I don't quite believe. It says, their statement says, unlike other car companies, which do not change their cars for at least a year at a time, Tesla is constantly improving its cars with over-the-air updates and often design and hardware improvements. 
As but one example, this means occasionally that we will even send, say, new certified parts to meet a car at the delivery center if those items have been upgraded after the car has shipped, the spokesperson said. This process may be unfamiliar to some, but it has worked very well for us. As our customers know that if we can add value or make something better, we will do everything we can to do it right of way, end of, end of quote. Now, I totally understand how and why Tesla would send software updates to a vehicle, but I don't buy the story that says basically, uh, we didn't ship that car without seats. Uh, the customer is getting the benefit of an upgrade. That's, that's just not how things are done in the auto industry. Of course, what I might call a bug in, a, in the production process, it seems to be claimed as a feature by Tesla. So what's the truth? I don't know the real firsthand situation at Tesla. I'm writing this without being at the Gemba, the actual place or the, the factory floor, um, as the Japanese um, term implies. Now, GM was in denial for a long time, and we know what happened there. I want Tesla to succeed for many, many reasons. I hope the Reuters reports are lies made up by disgruntled former employees. But Reuters probably talked to many people. You know, the stories, uh, some of the stories above were corroborated by nine people. Either they're telling the truth and Tesla has a lot of problems to solve or they all fooled the Reuters reporters. What do you think? So again, you can go to leanblog.org slash audio 242 to read all the links. And I'd love to hear what you think. Are there any lessons learned that you could apply to your situation or um, what, what do you hope to see happening at Tesla?